I've been preaching on the Spirit of God, going through the Bible, looking at the Spirit of God. And we're up now to the book of Judges. This is the Spirit of God, number seven. And so we're going to look this week, we're looking towards the end of the book of Judges. And this week we're going to look at Samson, Judges chapter number 13. We're going to be looking at Judges. And uh, Samson it was, is the last of the Judges and he didn't uh, go leading an army. He, was, he went by himself. We've been talking about a platoon, being part of a platoon, being part of an army. Anyone who goes off on their own is on dangerous ground. God never intended for anyone to go off on their own. He intended at least to go two by two, but God makes us a platoon and he wants us to move as a mighty force for the kingdom of God. Samson is mentioned in the book of Hebrews also. His name was there. And he's the, he's the only one in the Old Testament other than where God uh, spoke to Abraham and Sarah concerning that they would have a child. And we know he became who? Isaac. But other than that in the Old Testament, Samson is the only one where the angels appeared to his parents and said that you will have a child and he will be dedicated as a Nazarite to serve me from the day of his birth until the day of his death. And as I was studying and, and uh, asking the Lord to show me about Samson and, and to give me, you know, to let the Lord speak to my spirit, I asked my wife, I said, "Hon, you know, again, she's a wellspring. There, there's a storehouse within her that I draw, I pump once in a while, because I know God gives, gives me some, some real nuggets and real gems through that too. So I, I, always, I always prime that pump. And, and I asked her, I says, what, tell me, what, what do you think about when you think of Samson? And the first thing that came out of her was, you know, I, every time I ask her something, I get more than I bargained for. So I primed the pump. And out comes the first thing that she looks at me with this gleam in her eye. And I knew something was coming because she has the sparkle. Her eyes just started to sparkle. And she begins to sing this song to me. Well, it would not to sing a song. It's, it's what do you call it? Uh, she, it's like a rhyme. And Samson is mighty. Samson is strong. But God told Samson to keep his hair long. Say it with me again. Samson is mighty, Samson is, was strong, but God told Samson to keep his hair long. And I said, that fits right into what I'm going to preach this morning. So we're going to be saying that throughout my sermon, okay? So you got it again. Let's say it one more time. Samson was mighty, Samson was strong, but God told Samson to keep his hair long. Hallelujah. How does that fit in today's sermon? You'll find out. Praise the Lord. In Judges chapter, uh, well, chapter number 13, as we seen, as we were going through the book of Judges, we seen that the, the nation Israel, see, God is concerned about our heart. He looks at the heart of an individual. He wants us to serve him and love him from our heart. Out of our love for God comes our service to God right? Service to God without love for him equals zero, zilch, nothing, nada. 
God wants us to serve him out of and through love. We serve him because we love him. We serve him because we want to see his work prosper and grow, right? Everything you do for the Lord should be out of your love for the Lord. Not just to work, 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 right? We want to do the work of the Lord because we love the Lord. We love what he's doing in our lives and in our midst and in our community. I love to see God working in, in our community, in our, in our midst and in our lives here. We're a platoon. We want to see God work in each of our lives and bring forth good things. And as we see God touch lives and changes, that makes us love him all the more and praise him all the more and wants us, we want to do for the Lord because we love him. We see the goodness of his hand. We see the goodness that he brings. And I always say, God's hand never ceases doing good. I confess that. I confess, God, your hand never ceases doing good upon Alfred and Ruth Joy Capozzi. I thank you. I confess that every day. And that's what we need to confess over our lives. You need to confess over your life that, Lord, you never cease doing good upon me. And you say your name. State your name. And that's a fact. That's a truth. That's the word of God over your life. And so Israel... When the judges were there and they had victory and they, they came into a period of peace, but then when the judge died, and this happened over and over again in the book of Judges, over and over, then their hearts went away from God and they began to fool around with, with, with all, all of the ungodly stuff and they became captive. They became captive. They, became in, they cried out to the Lord and the Lord raised up another judge. All right, here we go again. I'll raise up another judge to deliver you out of your problem. They get delivered and they get time of peace and then the judge dies and then here they go again, right, right back out like sheep, right back out, getting themselves in trouble, crying out to the Lord, Lord, help. And here comes, another, all right, I'll bring another judge up for you. So that was like a yo-yo, you know? And so God wants us to see if their heart was right with the Lord. If they loved the Lord and their heart's desire was to follow the ways of the Lord, they wouldn't have found themselves in predicament after predicament needing deliverance. But God is patient. God is faithful. God is good. God kept, kept delivering them. And God will keep lifting us up when we fall. When you stumble or fall, God says, get up. He's right there to pick you up, wash you off, brush you off, and say, come on, now follow me, walk with me. But if we do it with love in our heart, it's, it's, that's the way God wants us to go. And so here it says in verse, chapter 13, verse 1, Now the sons of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord, so that the Lord gave them into the hands of the Philistines forty years. What does it mean the Lord gave them? The Lord allowed them. He just pulled up his, 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 you know, and he allowed the Philistines to take them captive. Why? Because this, they're gonna, then they were going to learn to cry out again to the Lord. The Lord wanted them to be his people. He didn't want to see the Philistines rule over them. God wanted to rule over them. God wanted to be their God. He wanted to be their king. He wanted to be their provider. But they made a different decision, and, they, and so they went into captivity. And then it goes in verse 2. It says, and then there was a certain man. So it goes on to say here that the angel of the Lord appears to his parents and says to them, speaks to them. 
before he's conceived, before he's born, they said, they said, the angel says to the parents, you will conceive a child and he will be a Nazarite unto the Lord from the day of his birth until the day he dies. And he gives, now the Nazarite, to be a Nazarite, there was, that was a, that was a, a, a consecration, being a, an individual being set apart for the Lord. Now the Nazarite vow was a voluntary act of an individual. And throughout the Bible, you can see men, Paul and others, were voluntary Nazarites for a season or for a time. It's like, for example, if you wanted to go into a time of prayer and fasting for a certain thing, for a certain amount of time, that gives you some idea of what it was, but it was more stricter in the Nazarite. The Nazarite, to take the Nazarite vow, you had to shave your head, you had to abstain from from wine and, and from a strong drink and, and from all other things. So there were restrictions on being a Nazarite, but it was a voluntary choice. But in this case, Samson had no choice. God said he was going to raise up a deliverer who was going to begin, who was going to begin to deliver them from the hand of the Philistines. He wasn't going to finish it, but he was going to begin the act of, of saving them from the Philistines. So God says to his parents from his birth that he was going to be uh, set apart. Chapter 13, verse 24. Then the woman gave birth to a son and named him Samson, and the child grew up, and the Lord blessed him. And verse 25 and the spirit of the Lord began to stir him in Mahanadan between Zorah and Esdale. So when he was born, his parents knew he was to be set apart for the work of the Lord. And that as she was carrying him in the womb, the word of the God came to her that he, you, as you are bearing him in your womb, you're not to touch any wine, you're not to touch any strong drink. He gave her specifics, and that when he was born, it was to be his life. He was to avoid taking any strong drink, any grapes, uh, any wine, anything like that. So he was going to be set apart. So here he is from his, from his mother's womb, he's, he's blessed of God. And as he grows, it says the spirit of the Lord began to stir in him. So as he's growing up, the spirit of the Lord comes upon him and starts to stir in him what God wants to do. God wants him to be a deliverer of his people. God wants... See, God is never concerned just with an individual. He's, not, he's concerned about you. He loves you. But he's concerned about his people. This is where we were talking about divine order. God looks at the bigger picture. He sees his people. We here in this church today are his people. God is concerned about our overall welfare that we would walk in the ways of the Lord, that we would look at each other with love and concern and help one another to get the victory and to stay in that place of walking with the Lord. So God is concerned about his people. And here he raises up Samson to be one who is going to deliver his people. He didn't raise up Samson to be a superstar, to go on American Idol and win a prize. He was raising up Samson to deliver his people, God's people. 
And it says that when he was grown up, he began to stir him by his spirit. Now, I want to tell you something. Even though God spoke to his parents and said, he's set apart for me, I want you to understand this. God does not make or create anointed robots. You hear what I'm saying? God does not create anointed robots. Although God said Samson is to be set apart for me from his birth unto his death, yet Samson was a man with choices in his life. Samson had to make choices, knowing that he was anointed of God, set apart for the deliverance of Israel from the Philistines. He was set apart, anointed of God, but yet he had choices to make in his life. And the Spirit of God comes upon us. When we become born again, the Spirit of God comes on us. He creates a new heart in us, a new spirit. We are anointed. Listen, we are anointed of the Lord. Every one of you who are born again, who have asked Christ to come into their life, wash away your sins, and to be a new creation in Him. The minute you say, Lord... I, want, I, I thank you for my salvation, for taking my sins upon Calvary's cross, for washing me clean. Come into my life, be my Savior and be my Lord. Fill me with your Holy Spirit that I may live for you. The minute you confess that and believe that, you are anointed of God, set apart for the work of the Lord. That does not mean you become robotic. That does not mean God takes control of your life and you're like a little robot and you can't do whatever you want. You can only do what God wants you to do. That is not the word of God. You are not an anointed robot. God does not create, never has, and never will create an anointed robot. You are anointed, but you have choices. And the choices you make as you walk with the Lord will determine what happens, what the outcome is. So God called Samson and said he's anointed and he began to stir him as he was as he was about to step out as he was coming of age and so what is the first thing he does now he knew see his parents his mother his father knew what it meant to be a Nazarite they told him to be a Nazarite that means being set apart for the Lord you can't put your hands to taking wine or strong drink you can't touch dead bodies or be around dead carcasses you can't do any of that you've got to live for the Lord be honest and be truthful be set apart for the Lord so Samson knew what it meant to be set apart for the Lord he was not ignorant he had no excuses he, he can't say well I, uh, I don't have a clue what does it mean to be a, a Nazarite his parents knew. His parents taught him. The angel instructed them. And they certainly instructed him. And now he feels the stirring of God in him to go and move out. And what is the first thing he does, Samson? In chapter number, in chapter number 13, let me see. In chapter number 14, verse number 1. It says, Then Samson went down to Timnah, and saw a woman in Timnah, one of the daughters of the Philistines. You see, when God, when God begins his work in you as a new creation in Christ, something gets put into motion. The kingdom process of divine order. God wants you to walk in his divine order according to his word, according to his will, so that God can bring to fulfillment more than you could ever ask or imagine. So every one of us here 
has the kingdom purpose at work in us. God wants to bring forth through every one of your lives more than you could ever ask or imagine. This is what the word of God says. God says, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. What does that mean? That means that when you're walking in the, according to the word of God and according to the leading of his Holy Spirit, God will, will spiritually bring you to places that you cannot even think or imagine. You will see the power of the Lord unleashed through your life into situations and circumstances and into the world around you that will be mighty and powerful than you could ever ask or imagine. So God worked on, moved on Samson. But Samson goes down to a place called Timnu, which was where the Philistines were. And he came back in verse 2 when he told his father and mother, I saw a woman in Timna, one of the daughters of the Philistines. Now, therefore, get her for me as a wife. The Israelites knew that as an Israelite, as a believer in, in God, it was wrong. According to the word of God, they had. It was wrong to go and marry a non-believer. It was wrong. They were to marry a believer. They were to marry another Israelite. And the parents said to him, Isn't there a woman in Israel that you can marry? But he saw this woman and he wanted to marry her. Where is his heart? Where is the spirit of God? Where is his desire to do what was right in God's eyes? He sees this woman, and she wasn't a beautiful woman. Because, how do I know that? Because in the verses, if you read down where it says that later, he says, well, I have a daughter who's more beautiful than her. Why don't you, I don't want to jump the gun, why don't you marry her? So she wasn't the most beautiful woman he saw, but he was going after the lust of his eyes. He seen this woman and he says, I, I want her, I want her. He goes to his parents and says, go get her for me. Do you say that to your parents when you see, guys, when you, when you saw your wife, did you say to your parents, go get her for me? But he's looking somewhere he shouldn't have been looking. He's looking at a woman and, and, uh, who was a Philistine who, according, now he's supposed to be set apart for the work of the Lord. He's supposed to be a Nazarite, set apart for the Lord. And here he is looking at a woman saying, go get her, I want her as my wife. And his parents said to him, don't you know, aren't, aren't there other women here that, 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 you can, that you can take? So what is he doing right here? He's violating his Nazarite vow, his Nazarite call with the Lord. What happens when you, when you violate the law? If you get caught. <laughs> there's penalties, there's a price to pay for violation, isn't there? But here he is walking by himself when he should have been with a platoon, when he should have had other people with him. He's by himself. He goes into a place he shouldn't have been. He looks at something he shouldn't have been looking at. And there's nobody with him to say, Samson, what are you doing? You shouldn't be looking at this Philistine woman. You shouldn't be wanting her as a wife. So when we go out by ourselves in the midst of this world and, and we're trying to be lone rangers, we can get ourselves into positions where we can start to bring trouble into our lives. But when we have the fellowship of believers around us, 
we can have somebody tapping us on the shoulder saying, hey, brother, that's not right. What are you doing? Back off. You know, get out of there. But Samson thought, this is what I want to do. I'm going to do it. So he goes and he tells his, his parents, go get her for me. And so they, they, they in verse number uh, five, and anyway, his father and his, his mother, uh, verse five. Then Samson went down to Timnah with his father and mother. They were going to get her. They were going to get her. And the spirit of, and Samson went down to Timnah with his father and mother and came as far as the vineyards of Timnah. Now, what is a vineyard? What do they produce in a vineyard? Uh, apple pie? What, what do they produce in a vineyard? Wine. The grapes grow in a vineyard. Remember we did that, we shown the vineyard? There's grapes that grow in a vineyard, right? And they produce wine. They produce other, but they produce wine. Part of being a Nazarite, set apart to God, is that a Nazarite, if you look in Numbers chapter 6, don't go there, but if you look there, it says a Nazarite is not to touch the fruit of the vine. He's not to eat the grape of the vine. He's not to drink the wine of the vine. He's to stay away from the vineyard. But here's Samson, and, the, and as you look at the commentaries, as you look study this, it says that the vineyards were not on the pathway going to Timnah. So Samson had to say to his parents, Mom, Dad, I'll be right back. You guys keep going. I'll catch up with you later. And he knew the vineyard was there. So Samson makes a detour to the vineyards of the Philistines. Where is he going? He's going to a vineyard knowing that a Nazarite is not, shouldn't, shouldn't even be near a vineyard. He shouldn't be looking to drink wine or to eat grapes. But what does he do? He goes, again, by himself. If he has some pals with him, they might have said, Samson, back off. We can't go this way. Let's get back on the track and let's go. But he's, again, by himself. The enemy loves it when you try to be a lone ranger and to walk the walk of the Lord by yourself. And what happens when he gets near the vineyard? It says, a young lion pops out at him and wants to eat him. And it says, this is a young lion. This is a strong lion. This is a fierce. The lion that you fear the most is a young lion that comes at you. He's fierce and he's deadly. And when you're walking the road of life by yourself, the enemy is going to come roaring at you like a roaring lion to seek whom he may devour. But when you're, you know, and what does he do? If the Lord, if the Lord didn't come upon Samson, Samson was, was meat for that lion. That lion would have been licking his chops saying, man, that was a good meal. But the Lord, because the Lord had said, I want to use this man. It doesn't mean Samson was doing what was right in the eyes of the Lord, but the Lord said, I can't have this lion eat him. So the spirit of the Lord came upon Samson, and it says Samson took the lion and tore him apart, killed him. And then it says he went back to his parents on the road to Timnah like nothing happened, and the Bible says he didn't say anything to his parents. Now, why? Why didn't Samson tell his parents, hey, mom, dad, guess what? Man, I just came across this lion and I tore him to shreds. Come on, if you killed a lion with your bare hands, wouldn't you be bragging about it? Wouldn't you want to tell somebody about it? 
Come on, tell the truth. You catch a big fish. Don't you want to tell somebody about it, Deb? I'm telling you, you kill a lion with your bare hands, I, I guarantee you, you're going to go, you're going to be, you're be on your cell phone. Hey, man, you ain't going to believe this, man. I killed a lion with my, right? You kill a lion with your bare hands, you'll be on the phone with Michelle. Michelle, guess what, man? Why didn't Samson tell his parents what he did? He meets up with them. They didn't have a clue what went on in the vineyard. Because Samson knew, and he knew his parents knew, that he should have been nowhere as an heir of vineyard to begin with. Because his parents would have said, what are you doing by a vineyard? Why did you go there? Don't you know you're set apart to follow and walk with the Lord? So he knew he was in big trouble if he told his parents he went to the vineyard and it was there that he slew a lion. So he was deceiving his parents. He wasn't being truthful. He was not being upfront with his parents. You ever, parents, you ever get your kids when you, you kind of sense something's not, they did something wrong, but you just can't, don't know what, right? And this is what it might have been for, for Samson's parents. What's this boy up to? He goes off, he comes back and, you know, so Samson was not being honest with his parents. Is that what the Lord wants us to do? Is that how the Lord wants us to live our life? The Lord wants us to live our life to honor our parents and obey them, right? And to walk in the ways of the Lord, to be truthful with our parents. God doesn't want us to be deceivers. He doesn't want us to tell lies. He wants us to be open and honest and tell our parents to tell the truth. Be honest. The Bible says what? The devil is the father of all lies. So if my heart is right with God, if I'm walking on my daily road with the Lord, I want to be honest. I, I want to be truthful. I, I want to stay away from the things that are going to harm me and harm others. And, 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 and I, want to, I want to be truthful. But Samson wasn't. And it says he went. He violated again the, the thing. But it says the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him mightily upon him what is, what is what is what is the secret of your strength as a christian not by might and not by power but by my spirit says the lord it is the spirit of god in you that gives you the power and ability to do what god desires you to do and that's what we need to look for. That when the Spirit of the Lord is, you see, in those days, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. But God, through Christ Jesus, through the cross, death, and resurrection, and ascension, God, Jesus said, I will send the Spirit to be with you always. He will be in you. So now the Spirit of God doesn't have to move upon us. He's already in us. And he is our strength. If we try to do the work of the Lord on our own abilities, we will fail. We might, we might, we might do it well and prosper in the eyes of man, but spiritually, we're not producing what God would really want to have produced if it was done through the Spirit of God. And that's why when, when, there's, when, there's, when there's ministry within the body of Christ, don't be afraid to get involved. Don't be afraid to volunteer. Don't be afraid to want to take charge because you're not doing it in your own strength. 
It's got to be done in the strength of the power of the Spirit of God who will bring forth the power that you need, the wisdom that you need, the abilities and the talents that you need to bring it to fulfillness. Had Samson relied on his own strength in the vineyard, had the Spirit of the Lord not come upon him, he was a meal for that lion. Now there's a difference here. You remember David? The Bible tells us that David, King David, David was in the fields. He was a shepherd watching the sheep. And it says, and a lion came and took one of the sheep and started to go off to to have his dinner privately. But it says, David seen that lion take that sheep and ran after him. Now this is a different, whole different setting and a whole different scenario. Here, David sees a lion taking a sheep and he's dragging him off to devour him. And David says, oh, no, you don't, lion. You are not going to have my sheep. And David starts running after that lion. He grabs that lion. It says he grabbed him by the beard. But it says first, he took that sheep out of the mouth of the lion. And then he grabbed the lion by the beard. And it says he tore him apart. David wasn't concerned about his own safety. He was concerned about that one sheep that was being dragged away. And we've got to be concerned about someone in our midst who is being taken captive by the enemy. We've got to look and say, oh, no, you don't. You're not going to have so-and-so. I'm coming to their rescue. See, David had a heart of the Lord. He seen the big picture. He knew that that lion was not going to have one of my sheep. No, you don't, lion. Where David, where Samson was going to violate the word of God. He was going to please himself and do what he shouldn't have done. But the spirit of God moved on him. Not because he had the heart of David. But just because God said, I have set him apart. I have to fulfill my vow and my word. But David had a heart for the Lord. And the Spirit of God came upon David. Not only did he kill a a lion, but remember, he killed what? A bear. But for the same purpose, David saw a bear coming against his little flock. And David said, bear, no you don't, bro. You're messing with the wrong man here. Because the Spirit of the Lord is going to come upon me. Let that sheep go. Why do we pray on Saturdays? Lord, we pray for the backsliders. We pray for those who have been taken captive. We pray, Lord, release them, that they be released. We need to look at each other and defend one another. And if we see someone under attack, being being hurt or being injured, we need to come and bring forth healing and, and restoration. That's the heart of God. That's the heart of David. And so there's a big stark difference between David slaying a lion and Samson slaying a lion. But it says the Spirit of God came upon him mightily. And when the Spirit of God is on you, there's no foe that can stand against you. And that's why the Bible says you are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. Why? There is nothing and no one who can stand against the power of the Spirit of a living God. And that's why our reliance, your reliance, my reliance, our reliance is on the Spirit of God in us. His power in us to keep us from being taken captive. And we have the power, Christ says, you have the power to set the captives free. Because why? Not of our own might, 
Not of might and power, but by the Spirit, by my Spirit, says the Lord. We have the ability to pray and believe and, and help others to become set free. So it is Christ in you, the Holy Spirit in you, that is your source of strength for all situations. And God doesn't want us to walk alone. He wants us to walk together as a platoon, as a body of Christ. Why did God establish the body of Christ? That we can be together, and together there is more strength. Two can put, well, we can put how many to flight? One can put 10,000, two can put what? I, I mean, you, the, numbers, the numbers go astronomical. And so as a body of Christ, we can put all of the enemy to, fly, to flight. And so we see the stark difference between Samson and David. We want to have the heart of David. We want to be like David and tearing that lion apart. Not that we say, oh Lord, you know, I've sinned. I need your help here to get me out of this. And God will. You call out to God and God will help you. But it's better not to go to the vineyard and not to do that which you shouldn't do. And then pray the Lord helps you from being devoured or being taken captive. God will help you. But God's desire is that you stay on the straight and narrow, that you walk that pathway. Because if you stay on the pathway, God can do more, and he can open up more victories and more triumphs than if you go on a, take a sidetrack and God's got to come and bail you out. He will bail you out. God will help you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. But that, does that mean we have a license then to hey, I'll do whatever I feel like this week. God will always bail me out. That's not the heart and that's not the attitude God wants us to live our lives with. God wants to live our lives and I'm set apart for the, for the Lord. I'm a child of the King. I'm a child of the God of righteousness, the Son of all, the Son of righteousness. He lives in me, so I want to walk that way. So he walks, he walks, he walks. And now you go to, to Judges chapter 14, verses, verses 8 and 9. So they go, they go down there and, and, and to see her, and now they're on their way back, right? So they must have been there for a while. How do you know that? Because on verse number eight, when he returned later, uh, when he returned later to take her, he turned aside to look at the carcass of the lion. So he's back, he's walking back with his parents now, the same path that they went into, Timnah. So they're coming back, or they're going that way again. And he says, I'll be right back, parents. Mom, Dad, I'll be right back. I'll catch up with you on the road. Just keep walking. Where does he go? He goes right back to, the, to where the vineyard was, where the carcass of the lion is. Why? Why does he need to go back there to see the carcass of a lion? What is he? Is he full of pride? What is, I mean, what is it that is making Samson turn aside from the way he should be going to go see this carcass. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him the first time. He tore him apart. What do you think, Sam? Do you think maybe Samson is thinking, man, I must be really strong. I must be good. Let me go see what I did to that lion. And he goes back to look at the carcass of the lion. Being a Nazarite, again in Numbers, it says you should not be near a dead body. Don't touch a dead body. You're set apart for the Lord. This is what he understood as a Nazarite. But that meant nothing to him. He turns aside and he goes. And not only does he look at the carcass of the lion. 
But he reaches, he sees inside the carcass, there's, there's bees and they made honey inside the carcass of this dead lion. And he reaches in there and he scoops out this honey. He shouldn't even have been touching the lion. He shouldn't even have gone back there to begin with. So what is he doing there? Why do we put ourselves in positions and places that we know we shouldn't be? That is why we've got to pray, Lord, help me make right choices and make right decisions. Help me to avoid being, being in, in positions I shouldn't be in by my own choice. Everything is a choice. You're, you go where you want to go because of the choice you make. Nobody forces you. His parents didn't drag him there. He made a choice. Mom, Dad, I'll be right back. I'm choosing to go see this thing. And so he scoops out from, uh, from honey from there and he, he begins to eat it. He shouldn't have even been doing that. And he takes this, furthermore, he takes the honey and he takes the honey to his mother and father on the road. He comes running back up to them. Hey, hey mom, dad, how you doing? Guess what? I got some honey here. Here, have some. Now he knew. And again, it says he did not tell his mother or father where he got it from because they would have smacked him upside his head. They would have said, Samson, don't you know, number one, you shouldn't be near a vineyard. Number two, you shouldn't be touching the carcass of a lion. Number three, you should not be eating anything that came out of a carcass of a dead lion. This is in violation of a Nazareth vow. This is an offense to God. And it says he gave that to them and they didn't, he didn't tell them where he got it from. He was deceiving them. He was not being honest with his parents. And they ate of that. But the Lord was still there. Had the Lord not said with you the angel from a birth to death. Now, doesn't the Lord know the beginning and the ending of all things? Was Samson a surprise to the Lord? God knew what he was going to do, but yet God used him. And so here he is. How rotten is that? Here, mom, here, dad, eat some of this. Knowing it was, it was violating the word of God. And it says, <clears throat> and so they go down into Timnah and, and then again he, he marries this, he's getting married to this woman and they get 30 guys and the 30 guys come up to him and, and he gives them a riddle about the lion that he killed that he, shouldn't have been, that he shouldn't have been where he killed the lion and he shouldn't have ate the honey that came out of the lion. And he gives them a riddle concerning his, his adventures in Violationville. He's giving them a riddle about the, the things that he did that he should never have done. Hello? What is he thinking? What is he doing? And so he, he, his, his wife, the woman he should not have been married to anyway, another violation here, She's crying to him, oh, Samson, please tell me. If you love me, please tell me, please tell me, please tell me. And so what does, she, what does he do? He says on the last day, he tells her. He gives away his secret. And what does she do? She, she tells it to the men, and the men, now it's going to cost him. Sin costs you. Sin costs you. So here now, he's got to go out. To pay these guys off, he's got to go out and kill 30 men, take their clothes and stuff, and go and give it to these guys so that they don't kill him and his family. Sin leads to more 
more difficulties, more problems in your life. And who brought it on? His wife? Those 30 guys? Who brought that problem on him where he had to go kill 30 guys? He did. Himself. Our choices are going to come back to us in not so good ways. Well, God, can God help us out of them? Yes, he can. But why get ourselves in those positions to begin with? So had he not gave them a riddle about his uh, misadventures there that he should not have been doing, he wouldn't have been in a position to go have to kill 30 guys and take their clothes. (laughs) That's what he did, literally. That's what he did. And then in Judges chapter 15, well, in chapter 15, oh wait, wait, chapter 14, verses 19 to 20. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon him mightily, and he went down to Ashkelon, and he killed 30 of their men, took their apparel, and gave the changes of clothing. Now you say, well, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him mightily to kill those men. Because had the Spirit of the Lord not come upon him mightily, they would have killed him. He would have been dead. So the Lord had to step in to save his life again. Is this the plan that God had for Samson? I don't think so. God didn't plan to have to rescue him from his foolishness and from his obvious wrong decisions, but yet God showed that he's a merciful God. If God said it, the Bible tells us that if God said it, will he not do it? If God spoke it, will he not bring it to pass? And so God, despite what he did, God, has, God did step in in those situations to intervene for him, though it, he could have easily let him be ex- extinguished by those men. And then it says in verse 19 towards the end, so his anger, his anger was aroused. Samson's anger was aroused, and he went home to his father. You don't hear Samson saying the Lord... The Lord, I come against you like David said to Goliath. I come against you in the name of the Lord of the host of the armies of Israel. David was coming against them for a different purpose than Samson was. Samson says when he burned the fields and all this other stuff, he said, now I got a reason to get angry at you. Now I got a reason to kill you. It was all about Samson. Samson was a lot about himself. I have a reason to get angry. I have a reason to take vengeance on you. I, 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 I. We know I is not a good thing, right? When it comes to that, the Lord cares about us. But Samson was concerned about himself and his anger was arose. And as a result of his anger being arised and he went there, the father of, 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 the, of, the, of his wife said, I guess you don't love her anymore, so I'm going to give her. And he marries his wife off to his best man, Philistine best man and Samson comes back and finds he wants to go to his wife and he says where is she and the father says look you took off here with all kinds of anger like you never wanted to see her again I figured uh, what I might as well marry her to somebody else so he marries her off to his best man and so now he gets angry and what does he do he, he goes out and he burns their fields down why this is all coming out of his choices his decisions bringing destruction and what happened his wife the Philistines when they found out Samson tied their tails together the foxes and burned the fields down they said who did this and the guy they all said Samson did it so they said we're going to get vengeance and they went and they took his wife and his wife's father and they burnt them they killed them 
Why? Because of Samson's choices. It brings, it affects not only ourselves, but it affects the people around us. You could say, well, yeah, they were Philistines. They deserve to die. No. God was going to deliver the, the Israelites from the Philistines, but God didn't want to do it this way. God could have easily said, Samson, gather some men together and make an army, make a platoon. And if you've got 30 men, you'll go against the Philistines and you'll kill them all. But Samson wanted to do it his way. He wanted to be a lone ranger. And look at the messes he got himself into. And yet the Lord continued to deliver him. And it goes on to say that he, he, uh, he, he, he took a jawbone of an ass and he killed a thousand men. Now he could have picked up a sword or something else. But again, he gets, he gets a part of a carcass of a donkey. And it goes in the record books as, as, as using that. But again, he's touching something he should not have touched. And yet the Lord allowed him to get the victory here. I want to go down to the part, chapter 15, verse 20. It says that, that he, he, after all of this, he, he ruled Israel for 20 years. So now you think, well, after 20 years, he's got to have learned something. His heart had to go now with the Lord. So he's judging Israel. He's ruling Israel for 20 years. And then in, in, in chapter number 16, verse number 1, he says, I'm going to go take a trip. Now Samson went down to Gaza and saw a harlot there and goes into her. Wonderful. A man set apart to do the work of the Lord says, hey, I don't know what to do today. I think I'll go to Gaza and go see a harlot. Is this the Lord? No. But it's his choice. And his choice again almost gets him killed had it not been for the Lord. They found out that he went into this harlot and it says that they, they laid in wait for him to come out. And it says that he learned of the plan and he got up at midnight and he ripped the doors, the gates off of the town with hinges and all and he carried them up on top of the hill. But if the Lord didn't step in and intervene, he was a dead man. God is merciful. He is good. And what happened? Wrong choices, wrong choices, wrong choices by Samson. What do you do with your own power? Then it goes on to say that in, in, in 16 verse 4, afterward it happened that he loved a woman in the valley of Sork whose name was Delilah. Another wrong choice of Samson. But this time, this wrong choice was going to really do him in. You know, God will let you, God will work with you, God will work with you, God will work with you. But if you continually think, hey, God will deliver me, God will deliver me, I could do this. See, God delivered me last time. I could touch this stuff, God will deliver me. Well, there's going to come a day when God is not going to deliver you. Sin leads to self-destruction. Here he sees Delilah. And again, he's violating his Nazarite vow. He shouldn't even have been looking to her. But he, he winds up with Delilah. And you know the story. The men, the Philistines, come to Delilah and they offer her a good sum of money. And they said, find out the source of his power that we may come and get him. And we'll pay you some good money. So wonderful Delilah, she didn't love him. Money meant more to her than he did. He shouldn't have been married to her to begin with. 
And so she gets him and she cries, Oh, Samson, darling, lover, tell me, what is the source of your strength? She's, she's, she's flashing her eyes and, and doing all that she can to try and get the, the information from him, the source of his strength. Come on, you know how women are, guys. The, and so here she is, Delilah. Oh, Samson, if you really love me, you'll tell me the truth. What is the strength? So he tells her wrong. He tells a lie. He's, he's, he's not, he doesn't have a problem with that, lying. He tells her a lie, and, and she binds, they come, they buy him up. Samson, the Philistines are upon you. And he goes, ha-ha, I lied to you here. And then he, he slayed, no, he, he beats him. He, he gets. But finally, she keeps at him, she keeps at him, she keeps at him. And how do you know? If you keep putting yourself in a place with the enemy, the enemy will eventually find out the way he can get to you. The enemy is always looking for that open door of weakness in you where he can come in. And he's not going to come in to say, hey, let's party now. Let's have a good time together. He's coming in to kill you, to take you captive, to make a mockery of your life. The enemy wants to, the enemy is not out for your good. The Bible says the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. The enemy, Delilah, is there a Delilah in our life? Is there a Delilah in your life that is enticing you away from the Lord, away from the word of God, away from the power that there is? There's power in the word of God. There's power in the platoon. There's power in the presence of God. What is it that's trying to enslave us or keep us spiritually blind? You know, she, they finally got, she finally got from him the truth of his power. What is our power? The Holy Spirit. There will be people that try to tell you the Holy Spirit is not your power. You got to rely on yourself. You got to do, you know. And if you give up the Holy Spirit power, you're putting yourself in a place where you can be enslaved by sin, enslaved by depression or oppression or other things. And so he gives away his secret. And what happens? He lays down one day and they shave his head, right? And all his power is gone. And what is the first thing they do? They take out his eyes and he's blinded and all his power is gone. That they took out his eyes, that's horrible, isn't it? God doesn't want us to be spiritually blind. God wants us to be awake and know that God came that we may see. I once was blind, but now I see. God comes to give us light and truth, eyes to see the truth. We shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. He lost his spiritual eyes. He, 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 he lost his physical eyes here, and he lost his power. And what did the enemy do to him? Was that enough that they took out his eyes and he was powerless? They put him to the millstone. They made a mockery of him. They, they made sport of him. That's what the enemy wants to do to you. Come on, fool around with sin. That's it. Put your hands to sin so that we can eventually make you blind spiritually. You'll be of none effect. You'll lose your power and then we'll make a mockery of your life. That is what the enemy wants to do. Get you caught up in sin so that the enemy can strip you of your power strip you of seeing what really is the truth and making a mockery of your life, degrading you, making you of, uh, uh, of nothing. 
But he goes on to say, it goes on to say that they made mockery. And when he was in the temple, all the Philistines were mocking him, laughing at him. And he said to the, to the, to the boy that was with him, there was two pillars holding up the whole place. And he said, just put me where I can rest my arms on the two pillars. And the boy led him and he left his arms on the pillars. And he says, Lord, give me the strength just one more time that I may take down this, this whole thing. Sin will cause you to self-destruct. This isn't the ending that God would have had for Samson. But Samson, because of his wrong choices, was in a position. He had to kill Philistines, but he was self-destructing. He was taking his life, and his life would end as a Nazareth. And he pushes on the pillars, and it says that all the place came down, and Samson and about 3,000 Philistines died. This is not the plan that God would have for our lives, that we self-destruct. God wants to use us mightily. Had Samson made right choices, had Samson got some men around him, warriors, and say, let's go, I'm anointed of the Lord, to let's go and stand against the Philistines, God, I believe, would have gave him mightier battles, mightier victories than he could even ask or imagine. But because of his wrong choices, because the Lord said, I'm setting him apart. God stepped in in the midst of all his wrong choices and delivered him and delivered him until Samson said to Delilah, if you shave my head, I'll be just like everybody else. Did Samson have a desire to be just like everybody else for one day? You desire to be like somebody else for one day, like the rest of the world. Ah, the devil will take advantage of that and move in to slay you. So what are we saying today? God has set us apart. Say with me, Samson was mighty. Samson was strong. But God told Samson to keep his hair long. So what is God telling us? Stay walking with the Lord. Keep your hair long. Keep the Spirit of God alive in you, the Word of God before you. Walk in the ways of the Lord. Don't sell out to sin. Sin will only cause you to self-destruct. It's out for your detriment. But when you walk in the ways of the Lord, God will be with you and he will give you mighty victories over the enemy. So let the Spirit of God be mightily over you. Samson was mighty. Samson was strong. God told Samson to keep his hair long. How many of you want to keep your hair long? Huh? Praise a spiritual hair, that is, all right? We're talking spiritual hair. Don't go out of here saying, Pastor Al told me I got to grow long hair. Praise the Lord. Spiritual hair, all right? So we want to walk with the Lord in the way that is right and let the Spirit of God be our strength in every situation and circumstances and that we need to look out for one another. Don't go aside in the temptations and the ways of the world. That will not pay off for you. Stay in the ways of the Lord. Walk with the Lord in the power of his might and God will be with you working wonderfully in all the days of your life. Stand with me this morning.